Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a dream theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, the CMSRumblePage.com, and CMS TV Live. If you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to click that like button, click that subscribe button, and smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live I got to tell you guys, this has been one hell of a day. All of my accounts got hacked today. This is like, you know, obviously a master of puppets. There's the song, The Thing That Should Not Be. This was, this, this is the podcast that might not have been. So podcast that might not be. What a day I have had, guys. So uh, I'm just glad to be here doing this with all of you guys. Um, Brian is, Brian's in the green room, but I, I don't think I'm going to bring him on because Tonight's topic, uh, you know, it's the 35th anniversary of the release of, in my opinion, not only the greatest Metallica record ever, but the greatest metal record ever. And Brian decided to set himself up with a background of the Lulu album. So instead of bringing Brian on, uh, he is now in the, 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 the shame corner. Uh, you know, he's he's been put in timeout for this week. I'm just going to talk myself. And Brian's going to have to sit there and think about what he did. When we're talking about Injustice for All and your background is Lulu, that's, um, yeah, that's like basically saying, we're going to do an episode about Italian food, but Brian's background is nothing but a giant pile of shit. So uh, he, he's, he's trying to talk into his microphone. I can see him talking. I can see him waving at me doing all this kind of stuff. And I, I guess, yeah, see, all right, let's let's just do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kale, great to see you as always. Says, Brian, you're fired. Yep. Yeah. Um, Kale says, what did you do to piss off Al Gore's rhythm? Actually, I got hacked. I straight got hacked. Uh, and I will bring on Brian in a second. But So I, I, I have the two-factor authentication set up on my Facebook. I was, you know, this morning I woke up, checked Facebook real quick, looking for band messages and everything. Everything was fine. I got three different notifications. Like, did you try and log in by, you know, Ch uh, Czechoslovakia, Prague, whatever? I was like, no. Hit no on all three over the course of like 15 minutes, whatever. Get this email, Facebook look and email, and says, did you try this? And I was like, ah, I shouldn't click it. But then later on, I was like, yeah, let's just, it, it's official. You know, everything was official. Check the email and everything. Come to find out it was not official. It's basically the best, like, spam shit I've ever seen because I don't click on anything unless I am damn sure it's official well they got me and so there you go so I have an all new Facebook account so if you are friends with me on Facebook send me a new Facebook request 
Oh, boy. Uh, I got this show hooked back up. I will have the Nerf Herder Council hooked back up shortly. So thankfully, we are here. We are live. And um, yeah, here you go. Mike L., great to see you. He says, hi, all. Great to see you, Mike L. John Toby, you're in. Yeah, Brian deserves this. Yes, yes, he does. All right. Now, the man himself answering as to why he decided to use a Lulu background, which when he st- sits pretty center with his camera kind of makes him look like he's got like a crappy wig on and believe me he needs one when you're 74 years old and you know you got fake hair already oh boy my shithead co-host brian what's up sunny a monkey then to monkey i will teach you meanness (laughs) fear and blindness no social redeeming kindness oh state of grace would you pull me up yes of course i'm quoting junior dad from the Greatest album of all time of Metallica, Lulu. Why would you do this? Why? Why would you do this? I have no idea why we're doing Injustice for All. I thought we already agreed on this. Uh, no. <laughs> it's on the topic list, and it's the 35th anniversary. <laughs> it's either the end of August or mid-September. You know, there, I, there's, I, you know. I, I actually wasn't going to do this, but then I saw the way the wig like fit on my head, and I thought it would be kind of funny. <laughs> to well, you weren't wrong there. Yeah, if I was a little more skilled with Photoshop, I could like have it really be my wig. So I I don't know. You know me. I have to be stupid. Uh, man, what a beast of an album! I had forgotten that this was. Good lord! And I no, I'm not talking that. about. I'm not talking about Lulu anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Jeez, man, where? What the hell happened to this Metallica? Where did they go? Good God! I mean. We're talking about they just came off of. Now you just said this, so I'll, I'll disagree slightly. But you're not going to. That's argue. fine. That's fine. You, well, you probably won't argue. What I consider the greatest metal opus of all time, one B, one A being probably Heaven and Hell, one B okay. being one one A being Master of Puppets, one B, however you want to say it. How in the hell do you almost top Master of Puppets? I, well, they in your mind they did. In my mind, they came pretty damn close. So sure. Man, it's uh, it's all about the riffs, the dynamics, and man, James' vocals. God, they sound great on this. Yep, dude. I, that's that's why. Like to me, I'll never argue with somebody who says like Puppets is the Metallica record because that's basically, like you said, there's one A and one B for you. You know, Puppets and Heaven and Hell. For me, if if I'm if I'm talking about Metallica records, it's you know one A is Justice, one B is Puppets, obviously. Um. I just the way that I've always described this album, Brian, is like the adjectives that people use to describe classic Metallica apply more to Injustice for All than they do to Master of Puppets. People talk about how ferocious the band was, how angry the band was, you know, the speed, um, all of the adjectives. If you apply them to both records, it 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 weighs more in favor of Injustice for All, and you know. Obviously, for me, I'm a little biased. I've said umpteen times, you know, on the show that this is, you know, the second most influential record in my entire life. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when it was, you know, the official 35th anniversary, I, I went went online late and just did, you know, talked a little bit about the record and what it meant to me and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, and you said, you know, another thing, you know, it's a riff fest. I mean, the riffs on this record are just. It is. It's a clinic in you know right hand down picking, and yet it 
yet it's still so interesting. You know, when I listen back to it, and, and believe me, this is an album, I, I, I think I might know this record better than any that I've ever listened to. And I'm still hearing different things in the production. It's it's just an absolutely fantastic, fantastic record in every respect. I mean, the only thing you can really complain about, and obviously we have to go here, is you know the whole lack of bass. I mean, that's the only thing that you can complain about with this record. And it's it's you know this is this is the pinnacle of metal to me. This is my introduction to metal. So it's it's just such an unbelievable fucking record, man. Uh, Johan Alexanderson, good to see you again, man. He says, I went to a Metallica show, and when they played Shadows Follow, all I could think about was Batman. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Johan. We, we're not wrong there, dude. You know you heard it, too. Uh, Chris Aiken, great to see you, buddy. He says, uh, Puppets First, Justice, a close second. Sadly, both had mediocre production. To, to have had the Bob Rock big clean sound to those two albums would have just ended trying to top either one of them. Yeah, but but I, I think, you know, Aiken, I think the songs themselves are so goddamn good that I don't think the production holds them back. I, I mean, that's, you know, the, I, I, think, I think that's why, I like, you know, the whole Justice for Jason thing that everybody listens to, like, it's, you know... People aren't saying you should only listen to that. No, it's like that's just a, an enhanced way to listen to it. That's actually on Spotify. That floored me. Is it really? Yeah, it came up on there. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Yeah. I, I, there's actually two versions. Like I, I've listened to the Justice for Jason, <laughs> Justice for Jason, the Justice for Jason stuff, and it's good. But but it the levels and kind of like they move around a little bit from song to song. I found one. It's some bass channel, like, and they've got like a million subscribers or something crazy. And it's a guy actually playing along to it live, and so it stays consistent the whole time. And you can see like the actual bass riffs and stuff like that. Um, the only complaint that I had was that you know Jason played it on a, on a on a five string. This guy played it on a four string, but it's clean as hell. And oh my god, it sounds great. It's, it, it you know oh god, unbelievable, unbelievable. I have to um, Kale pointed something out it. I hate when Spotify does this. So it comes up as a playlist. So it's not actually. Have you seen this before where you type in something into Spotify and you think it's the album or whatever? I actually don't have Spotify. So. Okay. So, yeah. So oh. it's not. I don't think these are. I didn't listen to it. I just happened to when I was typing it in, it came up and I thought it was weird. So I don't think. Yeah, these are not the versions. But anyway, they they, they did a playlist of it. Um, Kale, yeah. Kale. Yeah, dude. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, Kale, why you gotta be a dick? You know what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it was Brian. He yeah. was wrong. Damn it! <laughs> you know, if I was I, if I was dyslexic, I would have think earlier that Kale said I was fried. But I'm, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good lord! Uh, you know what's cool though? Like, it can brings up a good point. Like, man, I, what I like about this and Master of Puppets is they sound absolutely nothing alike production wise, and you can say that you maybe don't care for either style but i don't know it's it's just what we're used to you know what i mean so i'm i'm fine i, I don't know we just got used to it you know that's this is this is what it sounded like when it came out it hasn't really changed unless you go find that you know version where they bump up the bass yeah but uh i i like the fact that the production's just totally different on both of them yeah i mean and i think i still think they sound great 
I mean, I, I, w I was listening to the original version today, the remastered, and granted, having gotten so used to listening to the ones with the enhanced bass and all that kind of stuff, um, actually, I, I, I do need to rephrase that. I don't listen to the one with enhanced bass because there are some people that just basically turn the low end up on the whole damn record. It just sounds really dumb. But but the one like where guys actually recorded bass lines over it and mixed it in perfectly with the record, those are the ones I listen to. And you should too, damn it. Um, but I, I think I've gotten so used to listening to those two versions that hearing the original, I mean, it's it's more glaring. But, you know, my final listen before the show, I really wanted to get back into the original spirit of the record. And so, man, I, I again, back to the whole thing about the adjectives about the record. I mean, it's especially without the bass it is grating and it is raw and it is in your face it is angry i mean it's just again when i you know and not just because this is this is the record that i discovered metallica and metal on but when i read about metallica and i think about metallica and i talk to friends about metallica everything that people talk about obviously goes back to the first five records but everything they talk about is encapsulated on and justice for all not so much master of puppets so that's why this record has always been so fascinating to me and i mean uh, and you know what else i thought brian a reason that you and i might like this record more than others i mean you, you prefer puppets but i think for my for me knowing how much i love dream theater now this is obviously by far the most progressive metallica record and so I think maybe that is kind of like, this is kind of like a precursor to my enjoyment of Dream Theater and, and some progressive music and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, this is just, whew. <laughs> Aiken. Brian, please change the Lulu backdrop. It's the Nick Chubb kneecap of the Metallica catalog. Please no Nick Chubb jokes. Our poor Cleveland Browns, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Kale McLeish. No, I'm literally looking for what he found. I want that version. I prefer it. Hopefully, it's the WIP mixes because I've been using those for a while. Uh, and Kale again. I'm really glad that with Guitar Hero, we got to hear the original bass for One Straw and Dyers. Wish they could have put more justice into the game so we'd have had all the original ISO tracks. Bo Van Bibber, great to see you, man. I'm glad you got my friend request on my new Facebook page. <laughs> This record still sounds so badass. You can crank the fuck out of it, and, and it doesn't fart any speakers out. That's actually kind of a good point, Brian. That's, I mean, I know Bo's kind of screwing around a little bit, <laughs> but you really can crank this one up, and you're not going to blow even shitty speakers. So at least there's that with the lack of bass, you know? You, you will have a massive headache, though, because those high A's just tear your head off after like yeah. four songs when yeah. i got to, well i have some in my notes here when you get to the end you're just like oh my god your ears are bleeding <laughs> like, yeah massive migraine because yeah. there's just nothing there's no low end yeah well okay so so quick final thought here and then we'll jump into the track by track so for me dude i don't know about you like i for some reason like albums for me are an exercise in totality and by that i mean the, the album cover gives me a vibe of what I'm going to hear and the lyrics and the music and everything. So, and very rarely, you know, does an album have all of it together in one package. Uh, I generally don't like light colored album covers. This album has that. Um, so I wasn't sure 
I was going to get into this. I knew I loved one when I discovered the song on MTV when I was 12 years old. And I saw the album cover. I'm like, oh, I don't like white and all that kind of crap. But I love the song. And, and so many records throughout my life, like I love aspects of it, and they're almost perfect to me. But the 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 album art and, and the, the content and everything don't blend together well. This record for me, everything blends. Everything is stark, raw, angry, just... You know, I, I don't even want to say depressing because it's not depressing because there, there is nothing depressing about this record. It's just like I'm going to rip your fucking head off. Um, it, it, everything about this record just comes together in such a total package for me. So um, that's one of the things that I think about first when I think about this album. Um, I've told the story on, on the show many times. You know, I I saw I saw the one video when I was a 12 year old kid. I was listening to Van Halen and Scorpions and Motley Crue and I was into that kind of stuff. And when I saw the, the the one video, I was like, "What the hell is this?" And even that, Brian, the the video for one is so stark. It's like this, you know, greened out black and white with this dude with no arms and no legs, with like this, you know, thing on his face, and the, oh god, you know, like the Johnny got his gun video. It's like I'm like, "What is this?" And it just totally took me in a different direction, man. Like I was the bullied kid. I was the little nerd that people fucked with in school. And Metallica, like, and I knew I was cooler than them because I was already listening to cooler shit. But Metallica really took it to another level. And Metallica was like a safety blanket for me. Like now, I really am like, like you guys are pussies and I'm not. Like, and so this record has so much meaning for me. And I just think the the totality of everything is amazing. I've got you know behind my green screen, I've got the two hundred dollar box set, which is one of the greatest things they've ever done. If you guys are into Metallica, you got two hundred bucks to blow. Get that get that deluxe box set of Injustice for All. It's the best of their box sets. It's it's just incredible. Um, that being said, uh, let's get to a couple comments and let's go track by track. Uh, Bo says. But those isolated bass tracks are so epic. Jason is a beast. Yeah. I can't believe that, that Lars purposely turned the shit down. Like, it's, oh, it, oh, God, it's so good. Chastity, excellent term, progressive melancholy. Kale says it's uber depressing. No, it's not. <laughs> Robert Husted, great to see you. Darkness imprisoning me. <laughs> oh, all right, there we go. They're, they're, they're doing, all right, here we go. They're, they're, they're doing the lyrics in the chat. <laughs> nice. There we go. <laughs> That's great. Aiken, he says, but but you like this album or still a pussy? What happened? Up yours, Aiken. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Wait, no comments on me changing my background? Thank I was, God. I was actually trying to find a picture of James Hetfield sober, but I, 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 I don't know. I gave up after like two hours. Too soon? Dude, these, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I've I've long said that that after after uh, the Black album, if you want to get a good Metallica record, just lock James in a closet for a month with a case of Jack Daniels and a guitar and an amplifier and a pad and pen, and you'll come out with like a masterpiece. So, but dude, let's go back to the album cover. This is like okay. So even if you're into the newer albums or whatever, which you know I've, I'm on record as a lot of them I'm really disappointed with, but that's just me. Sure. But dude, this is the last killer album cover like they've, they haven't done anything that remotely looks as yeah cool since. i mean black album is well mostly you know black um yeah everything else dude i mean this is the last like we're just you just look at it and you're like man this is gonna be even if you didn't see the name like let's say the name was blacked out and you just saw you just saw this image and the song and the, the album title you're like this is a serious slab of metal right here that's coming your way you know what i mean right. like 
and and I miss I miss that. I I didn't I didn't think about that, dude. That's a very good point. Because yeah, we get the black album, then obviously load and reload are just garbage. Saint Anger is some stupid f- cartoon fist. Well, the other thing is too that album covers yeah. now it's it's not what it used to be. You know, it's like you know most people don't give a shit because you're you know what I mean it's just not the way we consume or or market it the stuff you know. Which is weird to me because like even if you stream something like a picture comes up of something, you know, and and like Megadeth still puts in effort. Like I mean their their latest album cover is kick ass. You yeah, know, it's that's Vic, true. Vic Rattlehead all yellowed out, like looking like a Revolutionary War dude, and you know, Testament stills, you know. But again, is that just like metal bands? Like I I wonder, you know. Yeah. Because everything else seems like artsy fartsy, so. Yep. Uh, all right, man. Well, let's let's go track by track. I I will let you start because, um, you'll never get an uh, 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 you'll never get a word in edgewise if I start with Blacken because it's my all time favorite Metallica song. So, your thoughts on Blacken? Um, I, I want to skip up real quick, and this is just to make a quick point. So the first single sure. was was Harvester of Sorrow. Okay. Is that is that correct? Do we know that it for w- a fact? It was it was uh, it was either that or Eye of the Beholder. No, okay. one was the first single. It, no. No, because that was... Yeah, it was. A, was it? No, that was the first video. I don't think it was the first single. I, well, look, you're the... You, see, now you got me questioning myself because you're the one that always does the... You are always... Riff intensifies. The one, <laughs> always the one that does the research and is wrong. Yeah. All right, well, well whatever. It doesn't matter. So my point is... I had I thought well the first single I had heard was Harvester of Sorrow. Let's okay. Pre- let's pretend that I'm remembering this right. And I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." And then oh my god, you put on this and Black and starts and like those awesome swells. Yeah. And then it's just a thrash 101 riff and I just like I literally said to myself, "Are, are they going to top Master of Puppets? Like how is this possible?" <laughs> like I don't know, man. I mean, it's it just just right away they just get into that fuck I was right. Harvester was the first single, according to Kale. Um, there we go. That's right. They were playing. That's right. Okay, I remember that too. Anyway, um, yeah, man. Thank I mean, you, Kale. Yeah, Black and oh my God, I just you hit it on the head. It's this is what bothers me about, and we did a massive deep dive on seventy two seasons, which go back and listen to if you have not checked that out yet. Anybody for the first time, if you're listening new or if you just missed that one, I thought we did a really cool job on that. And Chris was on board too, but to me, this is what's missing. And you, you said progressive. This is their most progressive album, and I don't think they've been able to do that since. They've been able to make long songs. They've been able to, you know, flail away on the wah pedal for three and a half minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've right. been able to do some accents here and there, but the guitar harmonies and all of these cool dynamics that kind of go into make you know. There's sort of rudimentary elements of prog, but this I feel there's definitely some prog elements in this album, a lot of them. But they never get back to this. But, man, there's just the dynamics and everything. You just, right away when this song starts, and then you get to the chorus, it's great, man. I mean, it's just, the riffs just grab you, and they just, you're just constantly, you hear the riff over and over and over. Like, you just, you just want to hear it again. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something about the riffs on this album that just cannot be denied, and it's, it just starts right off the bat with Blackened. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I, I discovered the band because of the one video. And, you know, it starts out mellow and, it you know, 
And then when it builds into that end part, which we'll get to, you know, we get to that song. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I could not get enough of this damn song. So I had my mom take me to the record store when the record came out. And I, I bought the tape and um, Blacken comes on. You know, like you said, it, 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 there's that fade in. And then you get like all I knew of thrash metal at that point was literally one. That's all I knew. And I thought, okay, there's some mellow stuff, but then there's some heavy parts. No. Blacken comes in, and I was like, what in the fuck is this amazing, unbelievable shit that I'm listening to? Like, I mean, the top of my head blew off, dude. I was like, what in God's name is this? And his voice is like razor blades being chucked at your face. You know, it's aggressive. There's, like I said, you, you mentioned the progressive stuff like we talked about. Um, and the riffs are just unbelievable. And, you know, they do, you know, three different drum beats over the riff, you know, it's a dent, dent. There's a, there's a, there's that one. Then there's, you know, straight like four, four. And then, and then they go to the off link. Like there's, you know, three different ways of doing it, which is amazing. That middle breakdown, like you just, it's you know we've talked about a lot of dream theater records where the opening track is like the precursor it's like a little microcosm of the entire record in in just a few minutes and i don't think there's a lot of records that do that you know it's just here's a cool song there's a bunch of cool songs after some dream theater records do it this metallica record blackened is 150 percent hey here's six and a half minutes of what you're going to get for the next almost hour you know and I just can't say enough about this. Like, like you said, the riffs, um, and and Hetfield again is just like he's like screaming but shrieking, and it's the. I mean, dude, lyrically on this record, it's his best lyrical record. You don't listen to any single lyric and go, okay, that's cheesy, you know. Um, this song to me is the epitome of Metallica. It's my favorite Metallica song. It always has been. It always will be. Um, it it's just incredible. You know, and I mean, even Hammett's solos are really good on this one. I, but I mean, there's so many cool changes in here, and it all falls back to that. Dun, 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 dun. Like, oh God, what an op- what an opener, dude! What an opener! And and by the way, here here's a great point by by my buddy Bo. Blackened intro, hearing it not backwards is totally wild. I wonder who thought to flip it around backwards and made it so evil. Damn it! Everyone's coming too fast. Crazy that Newstead wrote the main riff. Yeah, that's and and to this day, man, like I can play a little guitar. Like I I taught myself guitar, bass, drums, and all and, and you know the first five Metallica records. I still have no idea how to play that intro riff for for Black. And I know the but the I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Just an absolutely killer song, dude. Absolutely killer song. So, all right. So moving on to track two, the title track, and Justice for All. I don't know about you, but I feel like this song was the catalyst for everything that came after. Lars Ulrich has been on record so many times saying uh, that uh, I suck at drums. I shouldn't exist anymore. They should. Fu- oh, I'm I'm sorry. I was I was in a daydream. Um, Lars Ulrich has been on record so many times saying that 
you know, and Justice for All got so progressive. He he, he would use the term like it, it, you know, anything further would have gone up its own ass. Um, and I feel like this is the song that kind of was the reason for that, because we'll get to it later. But you know, to live is to die is an instrumental. You can do what you want in instrumental; it's no big deal. But this one, you know, it's like nine and a half minutes long, almost ten minutes long. And could you cut some fat off of this one? I'll listen to people that say that yes, you could. But it stays interesting the whole time, I think. You know, I mean, the riffs do repeat, but the riffs are so goddamn good that you don't mind hearing them repeated. And there's a bunch of really cool changes. And, you know, again, the lyrics and everything, you know, Hammer of Justice crushes you, like Hammer of Justice. Like, it made, like, the single greatest T-shirt, you know, um, which I sadly destroyed in my uh, stage accident when I wiped off falling off the stage in May, I was wearing my double-sided Metallica and justice for all hammer at justice shirt. And that's the one that ripped when I tore up my belly um, <laughs> and my arms and my knee. But um, yeah, this song is just so progressive. And there's like, this one almost feels like they were like, Hey man, we've got like nine good riffs. What if we chunked them all into one tune and just kept going? And, but it's all tied together with, with a solid sense of melody excellent rhythm um and again those lyrics man they're just so in your face and just so angry and oh man so i i i really 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 love this song dude and i just think again unfortunately i really think this is the song that this is the one that made the band go eh, let's simplify things and I wish it wouldn't have, because I wish they would have continued down this path, as you were kind of alluding to earlier. So um, your thoughts on the title track and Justice for All. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of a battery feel on the intro. Um, and then you get into yeah. those those accents. And, like, this is what I was saying, and I don't want to keep going back to 72 seasons, but this is how you do accents, you know what I mean? Like, you don't <laughs> yeah. just bash the same note seven times in a row, you know what I mean? You do it in a very yeah. cool, melodic, dynamic way like this. And uh, I don't know, you kick the main riff off of the verse. I, there's a, this song in particular, but the whole album, there's, these riffs have a push-pull. Like, you're, you almost feel like you're in the mosh pit and you got pushed this way, then you got pulled back that way because there's, <laughs> there's this really killer harmonic tension um, that, that they get in the way that James plays these and, you know, the few times that they get some, some cool harmonies on top of them. But, the, yeah, there's just a super push-pull on this thing. Like, you're just literally, like, being, like, you know, just being pulled in two different directions. Like, you start to go this way, and then you go back that way. And uh, I, I agree with what you said. It sounds like they put every cool riff they had in this. I don't think it's too long at all. I don't think there's any fat to trim off of this one, man. This is this is their opus. And there's times when I kind of go to maybe this is their best best song ever. Like, I, I might take it over, maybe Master of Puppets, you know, or, or something along those lines. But uh, it's close, man. Really? Okay, that's shocking. And not because I don't like the song. I love the song, but oh my I, god, you I you'd be I, in a war for, like for saying something like yeah, that. I like, think that's... I, like, I like I like the course better. You know, I don't know. I'll pull your strange justice. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think the course is just cooler. You know, Master Puppets. It's you know the greatest metal anthems of all time. But I, I don't know, man. It's just there's something about this, and like you said, it's just cool because you have all those different elements that all fit together perfectly, and that's. And I think it well, it was a while. It was a ways back. Aiken put in a great comment about how, yeah, okay. So there, I said, why can't we do this anymore? He said it's because they aren't a band anymore. They are a corporation. 
they don't get in a, uh, they don't get in a room and write. They create at home, looking for individual expression, then try to mix it all together. And uh, yeah, that's what a lot of bands do. And that's why the last couple Dream Theater has been so killer because they decided to sort of get back to doing that all, you know, writing that way live we, in a room. Yeah, and uh, I I still think at some point you probably you lose a little bit of your hunger, your fire, you know, as you get older and whatnot. But uh, yeah, man, I, I, I love, uh, I don't think there's anything that should be cut out of this this song whatsoever. See, I, I'm going to disagree on, uh, like, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to this, man. I They haven't done this because, because Lars, dude, he, he was doing interviews even recently. Uh, he talked about, you know, the change in his style, and he said, well, Back then, I was trying to, you know, keep up with Charlie Benante and Dave Lombardo and, you know, Nick Menz and these guys like, you know, it was like a competition. Then I realized, well, I'm just going to play to the song. I'm going to play to the song. And that's when it all went to shit, because if you listen, I mean, seriously, if you put Injustice for All drum riffs over some of the recent Metallica records, it sounds classic. I mean, if you just go on, on YouTube and look up stuff like if if um it, it's stuff from Hardwired and it's it sounds absolutely fabulous, but some guy did um you know if Moth to a Flame was on Injustice for All, and it's the Injustice for All production and whatnot, but it's the same guitar riffs and whatnot, but it, it the drums are like if it was you know Lars's drumming from back in like the late eighties, and you wouldn't I mean it would slot in I when I say perfectly I mean perfectly with this album and Lars just decided I'm gonna be I want to be ACDC you know he said many times like oh I, I respect Phil Rudd because he plays the song and it's so simple it's all about the groove like no when you're in Metallica and you want to play to the song and James Hetfield is like I mean like I don't think I'm wrong in saying this there are two riff masters ever there's fucking Tony Iommi and there's fucking James Hetfield when you've got James Hetfield writing your riffs you don't play ACDC beats because you're not playing to the song. You play and Justice for All shit. You play Master of Puppets shit. Lars is lazy. And that's the reason why the band has gone downhill since this album. Because he's decided, you know, he's one of the two main creative guys, unfortunately. And, you know, it's just, it's not the same. It's, oh, I'm playing to the song. No, you're not. You need to play to James. You absolutely need to play to James. Do what Van Halen did and play to Eddie Van Halen. Just look at Eddie and be like, yep. Yeah, they, they they looked at Eddie and went, yep, you're the guy. You should look at James and go, you're the guy. And he didn't. He just got this idea up his ass that, you know, oh, I, you know, more straight groove works. No, it does not. It does not. Yeah, yeah. I definitely and, can't argue any of that. Yeah. Kale says, I mean, it does, but he just can't do that anymore. He gave it up because he doesn't practice. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Bo, Brian's going to argue with you on all of this because he hates this record uh my buddy bo van bibber says i felt like they tried to duplicate this record with death magnetic just worse drumming and production yeah um i think the songs weren't as good bo also because like the songs like a lot of songs on death magnetic you could cut the fat you'd be like all right this has gone on eight times let's let's do it four times you know it's the I mean, you can sing praises for that album all you want. The riffs are not there. I don't care what anyone says. They just I, simply are not there. They're not I th there. I think there's some great riffs. I mean, we'll do, we'll do an episode about it. I mean, we can, you and I, we'll just do a head-to-head. -head. Like, like I'll say what I think is good about it. You can say what's shit about it. I mean. All right. What does uh, Aiken think about that album? We might have to have him on for that one, too. <laughs> 
Aiken likes all Metallica. For God's sakes, he finds good things on, on right. fucking Sane Anger, for God's sakes. Oh, yeah. All right, so moving on to track three, we have Eye of the Beholder. Um, would you agree that this is probably the most straightforward song on this record? Yes. Yeah, this, this to me... I, again, I don't have a single bad thing to say about this album, and, and and saying that this is the most straightforward song is not a criticism in any way. Um, one of the things I love about it is, you know, there's and they do that, it goes into the chorus, but then when they get to the chorus, they go from the power chords, uh, you know, musician speak. Sebo, look, I can do a little bit of musician speak. Power chords up on, on the, you know, the octave. Power chords speak. Shut up and let me finish. So, you know, they're, they're doing like, you know, up on the, you know, up on the seventh fret, like, you know, the octave power chord. And then underneath the vocal, when it comes in, they're doing like the, the, the heavy bar chords underneath, like on the low end of the neck, like same notes, but it just adds that grit to Hetfield's vocal. Like, I love stuff like that, you know, and... You know, this one, like going to the three four and you know, going to like a swing, like that is that is just so cool. You know, it, it's just another one of those progressive elements of this album that just it, it every, like everywhere you turn on this album, there's like something new to hear. You know, and that's why I love this record. Like, if, if you're going to put puppets up against Justice, which we want to do a, a, a cage match, Justice versus Puppets, which, you know, have people on if you want. Um, but, you know, the songs on Puppets basically stay, it, you know, it's going in one direction and it stays there. You know what I mean? The songs on Justice kind of dance around a little bit here and there. Yep. That, like, it, it's very interesting to the ear. And... Man, and this song is a perfect example. It's a very straightforward song, but they throw those little bit of changes in there, and it just it just beefs it up. And again, you know, to your point, like, yeah. <laughs> Are you what? What? Oh my god! I'm laughing at Jim Nostradamus Bar. What the hell, Chad is aching? <laughs> oh god! Look, look, Jim. Don't don't you have to go somewhere and like rip on the Cleveland Guardians or? You know, talk about Richie Blackmore or something like. <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he like a CMS guy? Yes. Okay. That, that, yes. Yeah. That, that's my very, very good buddy, Jim Bartek. Man, I love you, Jim. <laughs> good lord, man. Uh, Jim, we are on multiple platforms. There's not just one. <laughs> Jim's like near seventy years old, so he's a little bit old school. The fact that he's logged in on Facebook is, you know, is pretty right. cool. So, um, but anyways, yeah, like, and and going back to the fact this album's a, ri a riff fest. You know, you know, there's it's just riffs for days on this one, and they change it up here and there, but it's the most accessible song on the record. You know, it's and it's still great. You know, it's 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 still absolutely great. And oh man, it's I love the way it fades in the intro. You know, the first first three four songs here. You know, they have a kind of a little cool intro, and then the song gets going. You know, this this one actually. What's fading is is the actual song, so it's a little bit different, but still, it's just cool, man. I mean, the harmonics, there's harmonics and there's harmonies on the guitar, like that, kind of at the same time, which is really cool, man. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on there, man, and and it just I don't know, it just again, you get this really cool tension, and it's pleasing to the ear and it's heavy, you know, and it pulls you in multiple directions. Yeah, and it's you know, it's always so cool to me, like 
this is such an aggressive, angry, abrasive record. And this this song has all those elements, but they smooth it out just that little bit for a minute. You got Blackened, which is just like, you know, a shred fest. And then you go into Justice for All, you're like, what the hell is Metallica doing, doing an almost 10-minute song? Okay, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you, you know, Escape or For Whom the Bell Tolls. Here's, you know, this, you know, because believe me, strap in for the rest. Like, so I just thought it was cool. That it's, it's just, you know, it's such a great transition into the rest of the record. All right, you got to bring this up. Johan Alexanderson. I wonder yes. how many of Metallica's progressive moments are just Lars being out of time. <laughs> All right, oh, you win the God. chat tonight, Johan. That's uh, that is amazing. That wins, yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Like Lars was trying to do the shit that he was doing on the Black album and everything, everything forward. On Aunt Justice for All, but he was so coked out and drunk that it was like, like he would be falling asleep, and that's when the slow parts come. <laughs> and then he'd wake up like doing a bump, like. I'm sorry, I got to stick up for Lars here, Johan. Come on, Johan, man, Sergeant Buzzkill. Let's let's let's. <laughs> This is like the crowning moment of Lars' career here on this album. We're all good. We're good with what he does on this one. And he should he should he should have kept up with it. Yeah. Instead, now he's you know, after this record, he basically ruined one of the greatest bands in history. Oh man! All right, Kale says James's vocal in the verse sounds odd here. It's a little too low. Really? Well, you brought up that it. This is kind of a restrained vocal in the verse. I think that's kind of the point of it. It is sort of a you know, sort of holding back a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe he's yeah. it's a mix too low or something. Well, I, yeah, I think I think it fits. I mean, but then again, Kale, I think everything on this record fits. Like, I re- outside of like no bass guitar, I don't have any complaints about this album. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just I just think it fits, Kale. I I think it fits. All right, well, let's get to the song that uh, you know, a life changing song for me. Um. I wonder, Brian, how many people do you think discovered Metallica solely based off of one? How much of the fan base, because there's the ones that were there from the beginning, you know, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning stuff, and then there's, you know, people that discovered them on a black album and went forward. But how many people do you think, like me, that one was the thing that, you know, I, I to me, I think this is like quintessential. It's... It's got the melody, you know. There's the, like the clean guitars. Um, this song has always fascinated me because, like the, the, you know, the melodies they write on the guitars and the clean parts. It's not dark, it's not depressing, but the lyrics are like, oh geez, like you know, kind of messed up. And then you get, oh my brothers, I wish for death. You're like, what the hell did I just listen to? Like, and that's what kind of grabbed me when I first started. I was like, what is this wish for death crap? Like. You know, so it's like you're you're battling listening to this song. Like, is it happier? Is it is it more negative? Like, and then they absolutely do a Metallica, Metallica, which I think one of the their hallmarks of the, of the classic material, which is all right. We gave you some melody. Now it's time to fuck your face. We're ripping your fucking face off. You know, like you get to that end part, and it's yeah. There's there's no question anymore. Like this dude wants to die. And it's just the most violent shit ever. Like, I just, this song has it all. Like, the layering of the guitars, and this speaks to the mix of the album. Like, it, 
when you really listen to this this album in headphones, there is a lot of guitar going on. And yet when they play these songs live just with two guitars, it still sounds almost as full as the record, which means I mean the 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 writing, the instrumentation that Hetfield put together, you know, was just unbelievable. And I think this is a perfect example with the, the way the clean guitars play off of each other. Um, you know, and it's, this is a beautiful song in pretty much every way. And I don't mean like, oh, it's so pretty. No, I mean like a beautifully written song. And it's, it is quintessential Metallica. This is Metallica in a nutshell. If you want to get every single piece of Metallica you could ever hope to have over their, what, like 42-year career now or whatever it is, like all those pieces are right here in this song for me. So, I mean, what, what, what do you think? So, question, did you hear this first, or did you see the video? I saw the video. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that video, God, I don't know. Whatever their sales were at the time, I'm guessing they got, a, at minimum, probably a 25% bump. That might be high. Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, I mean, is, when this riff starts, is there anyone, no matter if you're, like, listening in the car or at home on your headphones or at the concert who doesn't like air guitar the whole <laughs> the whole clean intro you know what i mean yeah like, i mean i remember like when i when i first kind of started farting around with guitar it was kind of actually literally about a year or two before this and i was able to play some of it and then i get to one part of me like all right well i guess i'm done with guitar there <laughs> Let's get back to the power chord parts I can play, and then I get to the end of it. You know, and it's not it's not insanely hard to play or anything. You know, but I don't know. It's just a cool. Once again, you have another cool, unique kind of an intro to the song um, that really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the song, but fits right in. Um, Chris Aiken, my least favorite song from the first four, rivaling Escape for that dishonor. See, I, I love Escape. Okay, I, I will say that once this gets super heavy towards the end i get kind of bored with it um because i know that they're so you came into this this was kind of the first thing you heard and like when they get toward kind of towards the end of it i'm sort of bored with it and i know that they've done stuff that i i think is cooler than this um not that i don't think it's a cool song but it gets a little kind of monotonous at the very end i think it goes on Oof, but you no. know I'm gonna have to disagree with you there, and I mean, Aiken just answered a question that I was I was gonna ask. Like, I was gonna say, like, is it your least favorite because it's overplayed? And he he in, already put it in the chat. He said, yeah, just my is. feeling might yeah. be in part to being overplayed to death. See, and and you know, what? I'll tell you, Aiken, there's a lot of songs like that for me. Like, obviously, I'm the biggest Van Halen honk on the world. So if I never hear "Running with the Devil," you really got me. Ain't talking about love ever again. That's fine. I'm fine with it. But one. On the record now, mind you, because I I don't want to hear Lars Ulrich going like his toddler drums on that <laughs> end part. I don't want to hear that live ever again. Um, but on the on the record, anytime it comes up, I'll never skip it. Never. I, it just man, there's just a cool vibe to it, man. Uh, it's it. God damn, it's just. Whew. I think what it is is ever is I. I'll put it to you this way. So someone, you you come into a new and you're like, you get to the end of this and you're like, you're like, man, this is so freaking, this is so insanely heavy. This is so cool. It's so heavy. And I'm like, dude, this ain't nothing. <laughs> like you, you didn't hear Master of Puppets. You didn't hear Fight Fire with Fire. Like, you know what I mean? But that's like, that's kind of like, that's what we talk about before. The first time you discover something, 
it's cooler to you and someone else who discovered something before that. It's like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like, you came in late to the game, and you know what I mean. It's it's kind of one of those deals with it, but but uh, yeah, it's still a fucking cool song. I mean, it, it's I, I love how they can do all those cool little kind of classical intros, you know, classical. Yeah. But this one he actually plays on electric. I don't think there's any acoustic on it, but it's cool. No, uh, yeah. Look at look at look at Jim Bartek. Lars rules up yours, Jim. What the hell do you know? Uh, Kale, <laughs> Kale, Kale's calling out Aiken. Jesus, we went from you being able to defend my world to probably the most controversial take I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, Herd's in here. So we got our good buddy Herd. He says, one got me hooked on Metallica, even though I didn't discover them until Black came out. Blew my 12-year-old mind. Has been crushed being overplayed now. Awesome. Good to see Bob. You know what, though? Kale, if you think that's Aiken's most controversial take of all time, go go listen to any classic metal show ever. <laughs> that's yeah. not even going to make the top, like, 12,000 <laughs> takes he's ever had. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> Aiken says the the intro is also entirely too long, too long live, too. Well, I can't we can't bring up the live thing. I mean, that's that's, you know, you could wedge at least one, if not two songs before they actually start playing with all the bombs and nonsense. See, I agree with you. I agree with you, Aiken. But I think, like, you and I are thinking in terms of fans like us who are, like, we're old school. And we're, we're like, okay, we know. That's how one starts. Let's get going. Let's, let's, let's do this, you know. Let's, you know. Whereas the people that came after, like, starting with, like, you know, Black Elm, like, even Load and Reload, who think, you know, those records are the shit. They're like, oh, this is so cool, and we're just like, no, get on with it, dude. Like, I, I just, I just think that's, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it sets a mood, you know. It, it's it, kind of like Rooster, you know what I mean? It, it sets a mood in the beginning, and like they're gonna milk that for as long as they can, and the crowd's gonna be like getting into it and stuff. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. Bo Van Bibber says the cool vibe is the chorus on the clean guitar. Nothing sounded like that and has since become his staple clean tone. Very good take on that. Yeah, this is this is definitely like, you know, James's sound. And, and the weird thing is is like and I will say this, Brian, like and we'll move on, but um <laughs> real quick. Aiken, I I don't care. I'm not interested in being entertained with fuel and memory remains fans. Dude, I completely agree, but that's unfortunately how it is these days, man. Um yeah, the one thing I will say about going back to you know Bo's comment about the clean tone, like unfortunately it works well on record, but I think it sounds like shit live. The one thing I will say about Metallica, even back in the day, like they just did, like their live sound wasn't great. I I, th I don't think there was a ton of balls behind their live tones, and that was that'd be my only complaint about classic Metallica is just live. They it needed more oomph to it, you know. So. Um, all right, so let's get to side two of And Justice for All. So we, of course, are talking about The Shortest Straw. Um, this, for me, Brian, again, this this was the first song on the second side of the cassette. And after, you know, I got through one and, you know, especially the first time I listened to the album, you know, black and I was like, oh, my God. Then And Justice for All just was what, and, you know, Eye of the Beholder was almost like a little bit of a breather. Then I get to one, I'm like, yeah. I flip it over, and you get, go, 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 You know, and just, this is like a thrash metal, just, it's just thrash metal. 
it's a classic. It's like, yeah, you know, we're we're not stopping. The record's not over. Just, you know, hopefully you didn't take your fucking seatbelt off, you know. And um, it's a great tune. And one of the things that's always that has always stood out to me on this song, uh, I, I as I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of Kirk Hammett. I, I, he, someone needs to take away his wah pedals. Um, I just his style is so like it's just never ever grabbed me. Um, that said, I think this might be my favorite solo he's ever done because it's almost like a noise solo, and there's like nothing there to play off of. It's like hey. We're going to play a bunch of garbage notes and, and, you know, thrash metal drums and write a cool guitar solo. And he did write a cool guitar solo. You know, there's so many weird, like, just like all this, like, dumping the whammy bar and all this kind of shit. And it's just it, it, it's it's incredible what he what he wrote over that. And this song is just nasty. It's just in, in the in the groove, in the vibe, in the lyric, in the riff. Everything. It's just nasty. This song is. They, they should have called this song "Middle Finger," as far as I'm concerned. I, I I just love this song. It's just obnoxious. It's fucking obnoxious. It's a great song. And again, to your point of this being a, an absolute riff factory, you know this record. This song has some of the best on on the album. Like a lot of the best on the record are on this. On this song, it is absolutely fan fucking tastic. So, um, I don't think this song gets talked about nearly enough when people talk about the greatest Metallica songs and their favorite Metallica songs. Like, this is just a really underrated tune, man. So, you know, I, what, what do you think? I mean, where, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, it's one of, one of my favorite riffs. I think it's not talked about either. There, there's a real uh, super old school Testament Exodus feel to this to this riff, like big time, man. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, and the, those, those little pull-offs and hammer-ons and things, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just, <laughs> those, that's like Metal 101. You start doing that kind of stuff over a kind of a cool groove. And um, it, this this is probably goes in my top ten of Metallica songs. I, I love the guitar riff on this. And you're you're pretty close on the solo being one of the, one of the better ones, too. But, yeah, I mean, this is a song that I wish, you know, I haven't seen Metallica in forever, but if if I went to see him, I would really hope that, that this one got busted out. It probably wouldn't, but it would be killer if it did. Yeah, th- this is one of those deep tracks. Like, they're doing the totally different set list on Friday and Saturday. This would be an amazing one. I would love to hear it, like you just said, but in a way I don't, because if Lars is going to do his stupid ACDC shit over this, you can't... I mean, this is one of the... Like, it's... <laughs> It, it's disrespectful to do that to all their stuff, but certain songs just have to have that ridiculous, thrashy, obnoxious shit to it, and this is one of them. And I just think he would oversimplify it to the point where it would just take away the heart and soul of the song. You know, it's <laughs> Aiken. You won't get this song. You'll get two by four instead. <laughs> hey, I like that song. You better not be serious, or I'm. I'm literally firing you from the show. <laughs> I was on record before as liking that song, and I got—I oh, think I got hell for it. Yeah, you did. All right, Brian's been removed from the show, ladies and gentlemen. He's in the green room. I will not tolerate any praise for Two by Four. That is the song where they officially died. Um, are you done misbehaving back there, like no. for the love of God? No. Oh, I actually don't mind that song. Uh, dude, <clears throat> There's a lot I, worse, how? but uh, no, almost none. 
unless you count every well, song at on some Saint point, Anger. At some point, we're just going to have to do all the Metallica albums. Oh, God, please no. Please no. <laughs> please no. Dude, like, I, I don't mind throwing out negative opinions online, like, if I really hate something. <laughs> Wait, you? But, you yeah, don't mind well, throwing out negative opinions? Well, I can't, but, but what I'm saying is, like, like I don't want to do a whole show where I'm just going to be taking a shit on something the entire time. I mean, I've done it on my nerd podcast, the Nerf Herder Council, which airs live on the Virtual Cantina well. Network every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But, I, dude, like... I, if we had to do like load, reload, insane anger, I would just be like, "Well, you're gonna make me do that if we're doing death magnetic. So what's the freaking difference?" Well, then we'll do it like me versus you. Like one has to be pro, one has to be con. So, oh, trust me, I could be plenty con on just about anything since this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move along. What's our next one? The next song is the Mighty Harvester of Sorrow, which, which to me. <laughs> Look at Robert Houston. Wait, what nerd thing have you crapped on? Oh, Robert, you have to go back into many episodes of the Nerf Herder Council. We've shit on plenty, and we're going to be destroying a movie in October, so just get ready for that. Um, <laughs> Jesse Crawley. The entire chat collectively gasps. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, so the next track, obviously, is The Mighty Harvester of Sorrow. Um, honestly... This is the one song that I could do without that, you know, that is overplayed and I still love it. Like, I'll never skip it, but it's it's the one that like if if someone were to tell me, all right, you can have all of Injustice for All, but you got to get rid of one song. What's it going to be? It would easily be Harvester of Sorrow. Um, I don't know why. There's just something that doesn't stand out as much to me as the rest uh jim bartek love that song harvester rules yeah dude you are you are not wrong dude seriously like jim the song is amazing uh i mean it's got the clean riff and, and they you know they double the clean riff they you know they they you know play it clean then they play it distorted they you know that riff in the middle is is cool like um Dude, bonus points on this one for on this tour. If you listen to live bootlegs, you know when they do the break, you know, right in that little split second break for all have said their prayers, they timed it to James Hetfield hocking a loogie, you know, all have said like all bonus points for that. Like when you're timing your songs to a snot rocket. I mean that that just proves how great the record is, dude. Like, honest to God, like, like seriously, that's <laughs> like, but um, yeah. I mean, the song's great. It's just the one that if I had to cut one, this would be the one. And that's not crapping on it at all. It's just this record is so goddamn good. If one had to go, this would be it. That being said, I love the riffs. Again, the vocals, the lyrics, like it's just Hetfield just screaming at people, man. And it's an awesome, awesome song. Um, you know, Lars, I think, you know, it's one of his tastiest songs drum wise. He plays to it perfectly. You know, he does a little, you know, in the intro, like, he's very slightly, you know, he's not, he's, you know, you know, he's, he's doing a little bit flam, flam work and kind of playing a little more subtly. Like, I mean, this is one of Lars's best songs. So, I mean, you can't argue with Harvester. So, you know. 
All right, wait, before I get to my take, Kale, friggin' love house that Jack built. No, that house should have been condemned. So there's not a lot of... <laughs> there is no real gold on Loader. Yeah, Kale there's says, friggin' love uh, house that Jack built. There's some real gold on Load and Reload. What do they call it? Pi- pyrite? Is that what Fool's Gold is? Yeah, either that or... Either, it? It, there's that, and also when you're a little kid, like digging for nose gold. Yeah, it's yeah. nose gold. <laughs> It's not. It's boogers. It's 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 absolutely crap. Yeah, you stole some of my thunder though. Going back to Harvester's Sorrow, uh, I love how it's the cool, clean riff, and then it turns distorted. You know, like it works just as cool distorted as it does clean. Yep. I noticed something on headphones today. I never heard before. Did you know in the background there's like this eerie demon breathing or something? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if I. Maybe I just forgot that part. Um, I I don't know. Um, but but the coolest thing to me is the guitar notes that hang out. It's like, there, 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 there. You know, yep. I love when those just kind of hang out because you're like, I don't. It's the kind of thing that if you saw someone doing in this, doing it in the studio, you'd probably be like, like if they were just sort of practicing that and doing that, you'd be like, this is really stupid. Like I don't know, it sounds super <laughs> dumb, but then you put it in the song and it sounds totally killer. I have no idea why, but it's just again, it creates, it, there's darkness and it creates a tension there. Well, that's what this whole thing is like. I feel like you're just kind of on pins and needles this whole album. It's so dark and so tense and and so kind of foreboding and like you never kind of know what's around the corner. I, I don't know. It's just Harvester is just freaking great tune, man. Yeah, I mean to your point about the whole record that you just made, it always it always feels to me like and Aiken's gonna make fun of me for this, but like if you've ever been in an altercation with somebody and you're wondering if you're going to get your ass kicked and you're waiting for that moment like is that dude going to punch me in the face like you're like nose to nose with somebody and you're like am i going to get punched in the face am i going to get punched in the face and it's like that that tension moment like you you just use the word tension it's perfect word for this record that tension it's like all your muscles are taut like like you're just you know amped up like am i going to get punched like that that moment of anticipation like this record is like that the entire time like I said, it's tense, and it's oh my god! Like, and I can't even describe it as dark. It's just like I say. I I think of ferocious. I think obnoxious, and I I think anger. But <laughs> Aiken, stop telling stories about you and chicks in a bar, fruit. <laughs> Look, man, I already admitted I was a pussy, Aiken. What more do you want? You don't got to rip me in the chat. Good lord! Where, by the way, where's my two hundred fifty bucks? Um. So, <laughs> inside joke there, um, but yeah, the tension. I think you used a perfect term. You know, tension. I think that's. Oh my god, it's the whole record's like that. And oof. you mentioned think, tension. You me- go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say it now. It's gonna sound stupid. It would have sound stupid anyway. <laughs> All right, Kale, I'm a huge fan of where the wild things are. Listen, man, I'm I'm way more of a Judy Bloom fan myself. We're going to start talking about kids' books. <laughs> I told you it was stupid. All right, get to the next song. We're digressing that's, here. That that's that's not stupid. That that was amazing. I Wow. That was excellent, dude. That it, showing our age, but I I totally get that. Um all right, so Freight Ends of Sanity. Why don't you lead off on Freight Ends of Sanity? Dude, what about incorporating the Wizard of Oz into this? Like, how freaking cool is that, <laughs> right? man? I mean, speaking first, of old, speaking of showing our age, yeah. Yeah, the first time I heard this, I was like, did I hear that right? Like, I thought it was some kind of, like, 
remix or something. I'm like, what? What is this exactly, dude? I don't know, man. It's really cool, man. It's like, it's like the Evil Wizard of Oz, you know. But it's so so damn punishing, man. I, I love the in the verses the the riff. It's like this descending chromatic thing, and again, there's, that creates a lot of darkness and tension. And there's a, a real dissonant to that dissonance to that riff. That little solo thing with the trills is cool, and then the drum feel right after that. They get into this totally new galloping new riff that's not in the whole rest of the song, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about justice. Like they're put piling on, you know, riffs upon riffs, and it's very memorable. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I feel like I want to play like polo using like zombie heads or something. You know what I mean? Like when they <laughs> right. get into that galloping type of a riff, and um, just real cool. This this might be one of my favorite, uh, more underrated, awesome uh, Kirk solos here at the end of this one. A lot of cool things oh, going yeah. on in that solo. Yeah. yeah, dude, you're so right. This is. I was actually going to say that like like this one and the shortest draw solo are probably my two favorite Kirk solos ever, um, but especially on this record. Uh, and I love you bring up the galloping riff because that is just oh my god. Whew, like you're talking that's like and you mentioned earlier like yeah when i was playing guitar like i figured out the power chord parts okay it's easy that one is not because it's a, you know a triplet it's triplets over and over like it is a bitch and i mean this is one they barely play live i, I think i've only played it a handful of times if i'm not mistaken um and yeah, going back to the whole riff factory thing, you know, like Wizard of Oz, only Metallica could pull that off, you know, on a record of, of this caliber. It's just so good. And then again, the riffs, and it, you know, oh man, I love this song. This, this to me. If I was going to make a list of most underrated Metallica songs, first of all, I wouldn't listen to almost anybody in the chat right now. Um, but <laughs> th this would be way high on the list, if not number one. Uh, oof, man. Uh, Kale, very good point. He says, Freight Ends is a rhythm guitar solo, even under a proper solo. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's one thing that, you know, Hetfield, like, he gets credit for being the best rhythm guitar player basically ever. But I think that is spoken in terms of technique and precision. I don't think people listen to what he plays underneath the guitar solos as a rhythm player because he doesn't just mimic a riff that had come before in the song. He doesn't just like transpose a riff that came, you know, came before in the song. He's writing something totally different. Yep. And you'd never notice it. It's like, I mean, he is a brilliant writer, dude. And, you know, th this record is basically like his, I mean, this is his apex, man. But I think this it's his apex because the rest of the band is playing off of him. I think as much as you can't hear the bass, I think there was that energy. As much as there was the anger and, you know, just the hurt and frustration of losing, you know, you know just being furious about losing cliff burton i mean that's all over this record but there's also that kind of energy from having a new band member that new blood um and taking master of puppets to that next level and i i just think hatfield doesn't get nearly enough credit for the, the writing that he does especially especially on, on this on this album dude you know 
Yeah, well, speaking of writing, Kale wants to know, what in the hell is a Judy Bloom? Um, can Chris, <laughs> now you're a writer, and I know you know, can you send him a copy of Super Fudge? Wow. Do you oh, have, like, <laughs> I don't know how much it costs to, like, postage-wise to send something like that to Austria, but if we could get that out there, <laughs> that would be <laughs> Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Um, I love you, that you know all the titles. Like, I know her. Like, I know there's ones I'm forgetting, but... Um, Wow. Okay. Uh, Chris Aiken, real quick, excellent points. There's two other amazing riff guys, and neither gets any credit. Andreas Kisser of Sepultura and Tommy Victor of Prong. You're not wrong, Chris, but I'll tell you why they don't get credit is because the riffs aren't memorable. They're amazing. But when you're going to sing a riff, like you could sing the Hetfield riffs, you could sing the Iomi riffs, like you could sing the Scott Ian riffs, you know, like those are phenomenal but it they're a little more underground they're not you know I, I i think when you think of like the best riff writers you know it's like you you can actually oh yeah that guy uh, da, 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 like with, with sepultura and stuff you don't really have that unless you're talking about something off of chaos ad or chaos asshole chaos ad or maybe roots or something so i um, will say prong some of those albums, man, I totally agree. Those are riffs for days. Like, that is one of the most underrated riff writers. I, I definitely a agree on that one. Aiken says the new prong that just came out is amazing. So there, there's All an right. album I have to go check that out then because I yes. actually love that band. All right, so we've got two songs left. So we have the instrumental track, To Live Is To Die. If I'm not mistaken, it is the last credited appearance of Cliff Burton on a Metallica record. Um, I love it. If you were to tell me, you know, I have to pick a Metallica instrumental and I was choosing between, you know, Anesthesia or Call of Cthulhu or Orion or To Live Is To Die, I'm taking To Live Is To Die all day long. Um, love Call of Cthulhu. That, that's up there as well. Orion is amazing. Anesthesia, obviously, is a bass solo. But there is, like... To Live Is To Die, to me, feels like the funereal song for Cliff Burton. There's like a finality to his tenure with the band. There's a finality to him as a member of the band, like his writing. Um, it, it, it there's. I don't think this album is dark, as I've said many times throughout this show. This song, I feel, is dark. I feel like there's... Like, I don't want to say sadness, but I, I, I'm picturing, like, Hetfield, like, sitting there saying goodbye to Cliff, but with his head in the air being, like, crying his eyes up, being like, fuck you, I'm keeping going, fuck you, I'm but still, like, it's heartbroken and shit, like, it's probably the most emotional we'll ever get on this show. Um, But, like, it just has that vibe to me. You know, it's almost like the goodbye to Cliff Burton. Um. And I just love the sound of it because it has a different feel to everything else on the record. You know, there is a... V I'm going to go back to this word because it's the one word I think of the most when I think of this record. Vicious. There's a viciousness to the rest of the record. All the other songs, there's something there. It's just like... Ugh. And this one is kind of like the melancholy moment, the, ah, shit, we lost our buddy kind of... Like, it's still got the energy, the attitude, the aggression... But it's so understated, and it just has that feel of 
you know, they're taking a deep breath being like, oh, God, we got to go on without this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I just love the vibe of the song. And again, riffs for days, as we've talked about all night long. Um, and some phenomenal melodies in it. And even that little poem, you know, when a man dies, you know, when a man lies, you know, whatever. Like, it's like four lines or six lines or something. It, even that is not sucky. Like, so many times, and you know this, Brian, like, you listen to way more stuff than I do. If you're going to only have, like, four lines of a vocal in a long song or in a song, period, it's so easy for it to drip over to being cheesy. And this doesn't. It's just, it's ethereal. And it 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 fits the vibe. It fits the record. It's just, this song is... I love it. So if I was gonna, if I was going to pick an instrumental, this would be the one. And I think this this sits very well on the album. And I love where they put it considering it's the one slower moment that goes into the fastest moment they've ever had. So um what are your thoughts on To Live Is To Die? I'm uh almost complete opposite on this song. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't think it's cheesy. I You're right. It, it's sad. It is it's kind of depressing. Um, I'm going to throw out something here. It's it almost reminds me of repentance in a way. Oh, dude, like, no! <laughs> yeah, it no. has a, it has a, like I just remember I always skipped this when it got to it. Like I, I don't know. To me, it sounds like something that um it would be great for the soundtrack of a you know something going on in a movie. You know, some kind of crazy death scene or or shootout or something. I I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> not a shootout, but, you know, just some kind of emotional scene in a movie or a TV show. I like the cool classical intro and stuff, but they do that a lot. And uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I guess they felt they had to do this, you know. You know what I mean? Like this was just sort of pouring out of them. Like I don't I don't know if I'd be interested to, to find out, like, where this was in terms of the writing of the album. You know, was this towards the end or or how did this all kind of play out, you know? Um, it's nine and a half minutes. I think you're out of your mind taking this over Orion, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, why would you take Orion over this one? What is it about Orion? I just love the riffs. You know, I just I love the immediacy of it. They're two totally, totally different kind of songs. They're they're not even remotely this, this similar. So it, it it's hard to sit there and argue put pitting one against the other because they're two totally different vibes, you know. You know, Ryan's like this driving, you know, just, just you know, like the Johan Alexanderson said, it's a just an iconic driving riff. You know, it's like you feel like you're going to, I don't know, you feel like you're going to go shoot down some, you know, Messerschmitts out of the sky, you know, <laughs> not not to go back to Aces High or something, you know what I mean? You feel like you're riding <laughs> along, you're cruising along, I don't know. It, two totally different things. I just, it's just a weird thing for me, man. I'm just, I, I'm not ready for this song when i get this when i first got the cd i'm like where the hell did this come from so that's just my take on it yeah K kale i think makes a couple good points um he says i agree he's agreeing with me he says the tone on the clean breakdown feels kind of like the newsreel of the bus crash with james's solo being his emotion then bleeding into the harmony and then the poem yeah that kale that's a great way to look at it um, and then in terms of comparing Orion to To Live Is To Die, he says, Orion is unity, To Live Is To Die is loss and dissonance. That 
Kale, that's a perfect sentence, man. Or, or, yeah, that, I, I don't think there's any better way to phrase that, Brian. I would completely agree with that. You know, it's... I don't know. I, I, I can't phrase that any better. Kale, that, that's one of the best things you've, you've put forth on the show to me. I mean, it's just a real downer. I don't think it was cool that Cliff just went out and died like that, you know? Like, that's just not, <laughs> Shut up, man. Well, you, you really? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, my God. No, I'm not joking about the fact he died. I just, I don't know. It's... To me, I don't know. It just feels it feels weird. Like it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It feels like it just doesn't fit on the album. But hey, man, that's just my. To okay. me, it's the it's the only it's the only. I'm not going to call it a misstep, but I don't know. It well is the then is this is this song the reason why you would pick puppets over justice? If you took this song off at of justice, would that change your ranking of one A and one B? Oh man, I don't know. It's so close. <laughs> That would make them pretty much a virtual tie, I guess. Okay. You know. All right. I still I mean, think we should I, I, I see what they were trying to do, I guess. I just don't I don't know. It just it feels like it just it doesn't feel like it fits on the album, but you know. Okay. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that. I don't know. I dude, I love it. I just I, I the only thing I would say is I wonder if it would have gone over better if it was if it was placed earlier in the record because it or what I, about what about if it's the very last song that might work no and then, well no no because i think dyer's eve is is the perfect exclamation point to a record like this i think i think if you reversed it first of all dyer's eve anywhere else sticks out like a sore thumb and you know you mentioned our deep dive into 72 seasons the closing track on 72 seasons we both agreed was like and i think if you put to live is to die as the closing track on this one it would be a fart in church not because of the song itself but it's like when you've got a record that is just so violent and so aggressive and then you put like the slowest song on there like especially when it's like nine and a half minutes you're like what the crap is this you know and that and that's what they did on 72 seasons it was an unbelievably poor choice um so yeah no definitely not the closer but one thing i am a fan of is the closer of this album which uh is dyer's eve obviously the fastest metallica song ever recorded uh and i have a very funny story about this uh well i don't very funny but i have a story about it so shortly after jason newstead left metallica back in 2002 uh I interviewed him for uh, Music's Bottom Line. Aiken hooked me up with an interview with Jason Newstead. He was talking about Echo Brain at the time. And I, ta- we, we, I, I kept it to Echo Brain. He was very clear. He didn't want to talk about Metallica. All the other interviews had talked about Metallica, so we talked about Echo Brain. And when we wrapped up, I, I was like, now that we're not recording, can I ask you some Metallica questions? He goes, yeah, that's cool. And... So he told me, first of all, about, you know, the load and reload records, and he hated those album covers, and he didn't like the change in style. But one of the other stories he told me was that, you know, when he was trying to be a pissant to Lars, when Lars was being a, a, a twat backstage, he'd be like, hey, Lars, hey, Lars, let's play Dyer's Eve tonight. Lars, Lars, let's play Dyer's Eve tonight. Let's play Dyer's Eve tonight. Just to fuck with him, because Lars couldn't play it. It was like, put together in the studio with like you know the double bass was was so fast Lars just couldn't barely ever pull it off so when he was trying to get under Lars's skin 
Jason Newstead told me that he was like, hey, Lars, let's play double. Want to play Dyer's Eve? Want to play Dyer's Eve? Hey, Lars, Dyer's Eve tonight? And Lars would get all pissed off. I thought that was awesome. So um, that's like my first memory of this song. But in terms of the song itself, this is, I mean, I don't think there's a better exclamation point at the end of a record in the history of recorded albums that I've heard. Aiken's going to make a joke. I'm sure you will, too, that I've only heard about four recorded albums ever um but i don't think you know in anything i've ever heard bands i'm familiar with things i've listened to ever i don't think there's a better exclamation point at the end of an album than dyer's eve because as much as you know this album to me encapsulates all that metallica is i said earlier that blackened tells you exactly what you're getting for the rest of the album it's a perfect little microcosm of injustice for all and i think if you sped up, blackened, and smashed it into like a three and a half minute package and sped it up and put it at the end of the record, that's what Dyer's Eve is. It is the perfect ending to a perfect record. It's, I, I, and that's why, you know, talking about To Live Is To Die like we did a minute ago, I, I think it's a perfect place to put it because the whole record's kicking ass and all of a sudden you got your down moment. Then then you got like this, this thrashed, kill everything song for three and a half minutes at the end um it's it's their fastest everything you know hetfield lyrically again great and over the fastest thing they've ever done he's screaming at his parents which you know for me as a 12 year old kid when i discovered the band and this album you know, all of us always are pissed at our parents for something. And they end the record with, with you know, fuck you, mom and dad. Like, and it, like, how much better does it get, you know, for a kid listening to something like this as an escape from reality? So um, I, I think this might be the most perfect album closer that I've ever heard, um, at least in terms of fitting what the rest of the record is about. Um, it's, I mean, there's nothing bad to say about this song. The riff is amazing, the drumming is killer. The lyric is great, you know, Hetfield just just screaming and, you know, just ending the, the whole record. Oh, go, go. It's, it's just three, you know, it, it's awesome. So your thoughts on Dyer's Eve? You are on mute. That'd be, you know. Am I on mute now? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it, so if you take out to live is to die, your brains have already been beaten in for like, you know, 51 minutes or something. So let's start a song and let's have 30 seconds of guitar, drums, cymbal accents, and then go into <laughs> right. this massive galloper. You know what I mean? I mean, your head is just like exploding. But uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I praise the solo on, uh, I think, Freight Ends. And man, killer solo in this one. Um, you know, yes, good Shocker, point. it starts with a wah. But I like the end of it. It's a cool descending pattern, and then it goes into an it, it, so it goes down descending, and then it goes into the ascending thing. And those really cool hammer-ons he does. Uh, I think this is one of the more underrated ones. We go back to Wah, but then we end with those very cool hammer-on things again on this one. Man, this is a just a relentless thrashing tune. I mean, I don't know that I totally buy it. it's one of the, it's the greatest and uh, album ender of all time, but it's it's a very solid. Uh, album in there man i mean this this is just just the way this one starts out you're just like oh my god you're just like <laughs> you're like are they ever going to let up on me you know we did get the slight break you know from from the to live is to die before but uh man this this is a killer tune 
yeah, I, you know, I, I can't argue with you when you say like you you disagree with me that like greatest album ender. I, I mean, it, for me, that's a personal thing. Yeah, and and I think again, as I said, for me, I think it's just the fact that like the way that it it encapsulates the record that came before so perfectly. Yeah, in in a nutshell, like I think that that's where I'm coming from. But you know, I won't argue. You know, with anybody else, you know, saying, you know, I don't know about that. So, um, all in all, though, I mean, this song just absolutely, you know, used a word that's perfect. I didn't think about, you know, I didn't think about using that word for this album, but relentless. That is a perfect word to use for this. I mean, the, the whole entire, the whole entire record, it is, it is relentless. And, I, Dude, I still, again, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. I understand why people would say Puppets is the number one. But I just, man, if it's their number one, I hope that everyone that has that opinion feels that that Justice is the 1B. Because I just don't see how you can listen to Metallica and go, yeah, I'll take Kill 'em All, I'll take Ride the Lightning. The only way I could see that is if you're not into anything that's the least bit progressive. I just think this is the most interesting Metallica album to listen to. Um, I will forever be heartbroken about the bass guitar. Why Lars decided that was a good idea, James supposedly had a little part in it, maybe, but, you know, again, I I hate Lars, and and this, this album is just more fuel to the fire um this album to me is just again i'll go back to what i said you know to bring it all all back home to me this album is everything i think of when i think about metallica and when i read people talk in articles or you know books or anything else like online watching videos and people talk about metallica all the all the nasty adjectives they use the aggressive adjectives they apply to this record more than any other and so for me i think that's why this defines metallica to me um it's just regardless of my personal feelings towards it i've listened to so many other albums since and i this one's still and i've backed it up against other records that i love you know testament records anthrax records all kinds of stuff you know other bands that you know and this one just always stands out in terms of songwriting and it's just brilliantly written. So I love it. I love it. Um, the one thing I did not ask you is, you know, what was your immediate impression upon hearing this? Cause you're a few years older than me. So you were in your like, like mid to late teens. And, and now were you from, for asshole, were you familiar with Metallica when this came out or was this your introduction to the band as well no so i got into them after hearing for whom the bell tolls on a metal show in st louis so i went out immediately and bought the cassette for ride the lightning and uh, i believe it had been out a couple months at that point and then at that point i went out and obviously got uh, kill them all <clears throat> And, you know, which turned into Master of Puppets later. But, uh, yeah, well, like I said, when we started the show, I, I had heard the single for Harvester of Sorrow, 
And then when Blackened first came on, I was just like, oh, my God. They, uh, You know what I like the most on this album? And there's no other album that the, that sounds like this. The guitars. It's something about the guitar tones. I, I just love the way the guitars sound on this. I, I don't know, you know, what they did different or whatever. They're not they're not maybe as blasting heavy, but there's a crisp chunkiness and there's just like like I said, they just they create that perfect tension. Well, and I I think that that is even more of a reason why it sucks there's no bass. Because I feel like the bass guitar would sit perfectly against it. You know, it's not like Pantera where a lot of dimes tone was the the low end and the chunk and everything. Hetfields was more of the precision, like you know, it's it's more right. of the articulation than it is the heaviness. But and, you can you can hear all of those. Not to interrupt real quick, but you can hear all of those kind of things he's picking and doing on this album. You know what I mean? You can hear every last little part of it, whereas on the other albums before you could not. Yeah, true, very true. Um. Yeah, I just I just wish the bass guitar was in there, man. I oh man. I, I I get I get it, but I'm used to it this way and I'm you know what, man, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So your battery is about to die. <laughs> your battery's about to die. Go. <laughs> so let's get out of here. We gotta do you have like two minutes to go through some sure. chat comments? Okay. Sure. So Jim Bartek gotta have and justice for Jason. Lars fucked up lowering the bass. I had that on the screen earlier, but wanted to bring that up to the to the audio listeners. Uh, Chris Aiken is giving his top five metal records. Number one, Master of Puppets. Number two, Rest in Peace. Number three, Far Beyond Driven. Number four, Justice. Number five, Seasons in the Abyss. So a couple of decent ones on that one, huh? <laughs> just just a few bangers. Yeah, just a few can't, bangers. Can't argue too many of those. <laughs> um Man, that is that is a murderer's row right there. Uh, and then we got a lot of people in the chat talking about the Octavarium in the Octagon episode we're going to be doing on October 19th. It's Chastity Crawley, Sean Faust, myself, uh, Robert Husted apparently is going to join us, but basically it's going to be uh, Brian's off night. But we are going to be just getting a bunch of us together and we are going to debate the song Octavarium. And figure out, you know, it's it's going to be like Chastity doesn't like it, other people like it, so we're we're going to jump in and have a battle about that song. So there's a ton of people talking about that in the chat, man. So, are you going to wear a singlet? <laughs> I I could, you know, what I should since you can only you can only see me from like, you know, just above the man boobs. Like I, I should do that, Great. or at least get a wrestling shirt of some kind. I do I do have one. I do have a shirt that looks like a wrestling shirt. It's the WrestleMania logo, but it, it's Cleveland. So I, sh I should wear that one. Chris, you can play the song in the background. It's the same length as the weekly podcast. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Well, all right, man. Well, that was awesome. Um, first of all, thank you for letting me do this episode. Obviously, this is one of my all-time favorite records, and thank you for indulging me. I appreciate you uh, letting me pontificate about this for an hour and a half with you. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat. Kale McLeish, Chris Aiken, Robert Husted, Chastity Crawley, uh, Mike L., Johan Alexanderson, Jim Bartek, uh, he, who said, by the way, nobody's a riff master like the God Richie Blackmore. Yeah, that's that's why the only thing people remember about him are his lead singers. Uh, you know, all you guys, thank you so much for hanging out. 
on another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast. We are going to be right back here in two weeks. Let me think about the calendar again because I'm terrible with this stuff when it's when the month changes. It's going to be first... It'll be Thursday, October 5th at 7.30. Or yes, yes, Thursday, October 5th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be right back here on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, the CMS Rumble page, and CMS TV. Don't forget, guys, if you are dialed in on YouTube and you are not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. Click that like button, hit that subscribe button, and smash the notification bell so that you're notified every single time we go live. Brian, this is a blast, man. I appreciate you very much, and uh, I will see you in two weeks, man. We are, you know... Very close to our Octavarium in the Octagon episode, but we got a lot of cool stuff coming up before that, meaning our next episode is going to kick ass as always. <laughs> so um, thanks for adding me back on as an admin this afternoon so the show can, the show must go on, and it did go on. So thanks yes. for doing that on the fly for me, buddy. I really appreciate it after I got hacked. So sure. to all you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, carpe diem. <laughs>